You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. My goodness, it's an amazing privilege to be here at the end of your 21 days of prayer and fasting. I'm so honored. I know it's probably slightly coincidental, but I have been incredibly excited and honored and deeply uh, aware of my responsibility at the end of a period like this to bring something that will encourage you and help you as you go on. As Martin said earlier on, we we don't want to sort of step out of the groove, but we want to go on into what God has for us. And so uh, I've really felt that this was the right sort of word to bring to you today. And we're going to be just focusing for a few moments on kingdom authority and the fact that God wants us to live in an authority that has the potential to change the world around us. So if you have a Bible and you want to follow a reading with me, I'm going to read from John chapter 5. Now let me give you the context of this really quickly. Uh, Jesus is in full flow of his ministry, and he healed a man, and he had a habit of doing this on the holy day of his culture. It was called the Sabbath, and in that world of Jesus, that was a holy day, a day set aside to God, And many of the religious community of that day believed that people shouldn't get healed on a Sabbath. It's a bit of a weird idea. There is a rationale to it. Um, But but actually, they they were pushing back against Jesus because Jesus healed this man on the Sabbath. And so in this passage we're about to read, Jesus is uh, explaining himself. He's uh, giving a reason for why he does what he does. And within that, then, he says some stuff that is really helpful to us as followers of Jesus. So verse 16 of chapter 5, and it says this. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jews persecuted him. And Jesus said to them, my father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, the Jews tried all the harder to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees the father doing because whatever the father does, the son does also. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, to your amazement, he will show him even greater things than these. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all his judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor uh, the Father who sent him. I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes in me, in him who has sent me, has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. I tell you the truth, the time is coming and is now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good will rise to live, and those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. By myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just. For I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. 
When we spend any time looking at the life and ministry of Jesus, we are confronted with a challenge, a paradox, a tension. Because when we look at Jesus, we are seeing uh, the reality, the truth that Jesus is 100% God. And yet the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, tell us profoundly that he was also 100% human. And it's an incredible idea. There is nothing in your world, nothing in your education, nothing in your background, and nothing in your brain that's going to help you understand that idea. It is beyond anything you and I can comprehend. We sort of just got to accept it as a theological reality, even though we don't fully, if we're honest, uh, with all the years of theological development, we don't really fully understand it. Jesus was fully God, 100% God, and 100% human, and that's an amazing, amazing thought. But added to that then, we have the fact that Jesus is not only the Son of God, but in the Gospels, we see him as the servant of God. And here's, here's the rub here. Here's what I need you to get and understand. As, as the servant of God, he does everything by the power of the Holy Spirit and under the authority of his Father. When we see him at work in the Gospels, he's not doing it out of his power as the Son of God. He's doing it as the servant of God. And in fact, as we read through our passage, I don't know if you picked it up, there was this bouncing between Jesus referring to himself as the Son, meaning the Son of God, and then referring to himself as the Son of Man pointing to the fact that he's come to earth to serve the purposes of God. Now, this is really helpful to me and you if we dig into this, because if Jesus did everything in the Gospels by the fact that he was the Son of God, then I can't really learn anything from him. I know I may have, it sounds like I've said something heretical there, but, but stay with me. As a human, I, I can't relate to that because I'm not God. I may be many things, but I'm not God. I, I, that's way beyond my pay grade. Okay, so, so if Jesus does everything by the fact that he's the Son of God, then, then what I see in him and learn from him is wonderful, it's amazing, but it doesn't help me in my everyday life. Does that make sense? But if Jesus does his ministry as a servant, drawing on that fully human part of his life, if he does those things as a servant, then actually I can learn principles from Jesus that he learned and put into practice in the first century that still work in the 21st century. And so when I see Jesus doing what he does, we can be encouraged that we can do the same that Jesus did. That the things, as Dr. Luke says, that Jesus began to do and teach that actually we can carry those things on. Uh, and it's, uh, we, we fully accept that he's the Son of God, but we are now connecting to him as the servant of God, the one who learns these things. Jesus illustrates it beautifully in the sort of engine room of this passage. In John chapter 5, verses 19 and 20 are the sort of driving heart of Jesus' defense of himself. And look at what he says. He says, for the Son can do only what he sees the Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son does. And he goes on to say this in verse 20. It says this in verse 20. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. That's the engine room of what we're about to break down for a few moments uh, as followers of Jesus. Because as we've been praying about today, our city, 
as we've been seeking to move into a spiritual authority, in this passage, Jesus gives us some profound keys to operating in that kingdom authority so that we can see the sorts of things he did operating in our ordinary, everyday world today. But in order to see those things, we've, we've got to pick up his ideas here. So three things I want to really quickly try and bring you today to encourage you as we come off the back of a fantastic season of prayer and for many of us fasting as well. Here's the first uh, principle I want you to get. In John chapter 5, we see this, that Jesus aligned himself to the Father. He aligned to the Father. Note this beautiful, beautiful phrase in verse 19 of chapter 5. It says, the Son can do nothing by himself. Now, there's a sort of a tension in that statement. There's almost a paradox, almost a contradiction, because here's Jesus describing himself as the Son, by implication, the Son of God, God's representative on earth, and yet he says this, he can do nothing by himself. Now, when Jesus says he can do nothing, he doesn't mean that he's in a straitjacket and he's sort of stuck and he's no options and he's no choices. He just has to do it. He means this, and, and this fits in line with the whole of the message of the Gospels. He means this, that I have chosen not to do anything by and by implication for myself. He's made a conscious choice as the Son, even though we know from this passage He's the Son of God, He's made, and therefore equal with God, He's made a conscious choice not to do anything by Himself, not to do anything for Himself. He has, He's saying to the crowd, I have stepped away from my own agenda as a servant, and I have come to do the will of God. Now, this is a difficult idea for us to understand because we're dealing with Jesus, but, but here's the key thought behind alignment. Here's the one thing I want you to remember about alignment. Alignment is making a decision of not doing what I want. That's a hard one for humans because we humans like to do what we want. But if we want to learn to operate in spiritual authority... God's spiritual authority, we have to learn to step away from what we want, especially if it's not what the Lord wants. Are you with me? So, so this last couple of weeks, some of you have literally been fasting, maybe fasting social media or, or literally fasting food in the context of your journey. You have uh, not done what you wanted to do. That's an alignment issue. You have deliberately lined yourself up with the Father, even though you'd love to have that burger. Or you'd love to see what's on social media. You know, hashtag FOMO. We, you know, it's that fear of, fear of missing out. That, let's get on. But, but you've made a decision. you made a decision. Over this period of time, I'm going to not do what I want. That's a big issue. That's a big grown-up issue. That's a sign we're pressing into something deeper in God, that we recognize there are some things I could do. They're not immoral and they're not illegal. There's some things I could do, but because I want to line up with the Father, I'm not going to do them. 
I'm going to let go of them. Literally, I'm going to let go of food. I'm going to let go of social media. I'm going to let go of this. I'm going to let go of that so that in this 21-day period, I can grab a hold of something else. Fasting is letting go of stuff you love to align yourself with the purposes of the Father. That's a big issue, massive issue, and one that calls us towards the journey of authority. If you've ever traveled, you've, you've seen this bag. Some of you love, love this bag. Some of you have come to hate this bag. Um, and I, I get to travel quite a lot. And of course, if you fly on planes uh, uh, and you've got liquids in your hand luggage, you've got to put it in a bag like that. Now, it's got to be a see-through bag. You're not allowed any one container to be over 100 mils. And the trick is you've got to be able to seal the bag. Because if you don't seal that bag, planes will fall out of the sky because your plastic bag hasn't been sealed. All right? Now, I, I'm a bit of a control freak when it comes to traveling. So, so when, I'm, when I'm traveling anywhere, as we're approaching airport security, I'm ready. The belt is off. The iPad is out of the cover. The jacket is off, locked and loaded, ready to go. The only slight sort of uh, not quite sure what's going to happen is shoes. You know, one airport wants shoes on, one airport wants shoes off, which, you know, you never quite know what they're going to say about your shoes. Uh, and so that's the, that's the is he, is he going to ask me to take my shoes off or not? But I'm ready. Apart from the shoes, I'm ready to go. Jackets off, belts off, iPads out, we're ready to go. And the amount of times I've got behind that person who wait until they get to security to work out what needs to come off. Yes? And so, you know, is this, does this come on? You know, there's a big sign with all the stuff. Here's the stuff you need to take off. Here's the stuff you need to put in the tray. Here's, do you want this in a separate tray? Should I put this? Do you want the boots on? And it's all this conversation. And then they pull out their plastic bag. And it's bulging, overflowing with stuff. And you just go, oh, no, here we go. Because you've got to be able to seal the bag. And if you've ever tried to seal these things, some of you are very, you know, uh, good at this stuff. I, I'm not so good. If you ever tried to seal them? There is a, there's a, a sort of a plastic track on one side of the bag. And then on the other side of the bag, there's a plastic strip. And to make them seal, you've got to put the plastic strip inside the plastic reel. And some of you will have had the wondrous experience at airport security of hearing that clicking moment. You get the, the plastic strip into the plastic reel and it clicks. You can feel it and sometimes you can even hear it. It clicks. And at that point when it clicks, you know it is sealed. Can I just say this? And this is a very, very important idea when it comes to spirituality and authority. And it's something, oops, need to go back one. And it's something that you and I need to understand as a powerful idea. And it says, some things only click when they align. Now, I can grab that bag. I can shake it. I can shout at it. I can stamp on it. I can throw it up and down. But if it is not aligned, it's not going to click. And if it's not clicked, they're not going to let it through. If I want this to get through, I have, I've got to make sure this clicks. When it comes to our spirituality, there are some things that only happen when we line up. Now, is God good? 
He is. Is he generous? He is. Is he gracious? And does he bless us? He does, because he's a good God. But there are some principles you and I have got to learn as serious followers of Jesus that demand, that ask, I let go of what I want so that I can line up with what he wants. And there are moments in your life where if you will have the faith and the courage to let go of what you want because you know that the Father is calling you to something greater and bigger, there can be a clicking moment, an alignment moment that allows the Father to do something for you that is even greater than anything you could have imagined for yourself. Why? Because I've, I've let go of some stuff. I've aligned. Jesus says, I will not, I cannot do anything by myself. What's he saying? I'm letting go of what I want so that I can then progress and do what the Father wants. And that's an important issue. This period of fasting, for many of you, has been about alignment. You have made a decision to let go of what you want. And as a result, it's taken you deeper, and it's taken you further than you ever thought possible. Here's the second idea that Jesus uh, gives to us in the context of this, and it's this. He, he not only aligns to the Father, he agrees with the Father. He agrees with the Father. So if alignment says, I'm not going to do what I want, then what does agreement say? Well, let's, let's look at it in the context of our passage, verse 19. And it says this, he can do only what he sees the Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son does. Now note that, we've gone from not doing what I want, into verse 19, doing what he wants. See the shift there? It's gone from something that feeds a bit negative, I'm not doing what I want, now it's really positive. I'm doing what he wants. And he, he sort of rams this thought home right at the end of the passage when he says in verse 30, I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. So here's what Jesus is teaching us. Alignment says, I'll make a conscious decision not to do what I want, an agreement says, I'll make a conscious decision to do what he wants. Amazing. So we tend to look at Jesus, and we, we just tend to think of Jesus arriving and then going to the cross and saving the world. But the mechanics behind Jesus saving the world is this. Every single day, he made a decision not to do what he wanted. And every single day, he made a decision I will do what the Father wants. That's why you're here. That's why I'm here, because Jesus aligned. He refused to run his own agenda. And then he agreed. He said, Father, whatever I see you do, I'll do. Wherever you go, I'll go. Whatever you say, I'll say. Jesus lines himself up and then comes into a position of positive agreement with the Father. He says, I will do what you want me to to do. Are you with me? And one of the great challenges in our lives is moving to what the Father wants. Can I say this? I've been around a wee while, and one of the great frustrations sometimes I've seen in beautiful Christians is that they get frustrated with God because God is not doing what they want. Now, this is a hard one to swallow, but work with me. Sometimes the Father is not doing what you want because it's not what He wants. Now, at that point, you can either throw your teddy out of the pram, get annoyed at God, and walk away, or 
that's a moment me and you can grow up. You see, a child demands, a child wants, give me, give me, give me, more, more, more. I want, I want, I want. I expect that from a four or five-year-old, not from a 25-year-old. I expect somewhere between the four and the 25, we've grown up a little bit and we've moved from I want to maybe asking the question, what do you want? That's what worship is. Worship is the call to understand the heart of God. And actually, that's a great challenge for many people. We get annoyed at God because he's not doing what we want. And I get that. I understand that. But the challenge of this season and the challenge of Jesus teaching to us is, well, why don't we ask what he wants? Because, now I don't want to upset you, God's job is not to do what you want. It's our job to do what he wants. It's quiet, isn't it? Well, we... And if we're not careful, we, we, we try to create a world where God will agree with me. Now, is he good? He is. Is he gracious? He is. Is he generous? He is. And sometimes he'll do things for us that we don't even deserve because he's marvelous. But that's down to his grace and his mercy. That's not down because we've twisted his arm up his back. That's not because we've threatened him with a walkout. It's because he's gracious. But actually, the greater call, the deeper call is, John, why don't you move away from what you want, and why don't you start asking me what I want? Because that's where the power is. That's where life is. That's where freedom is. That's where breakthrough is. That's where victory is. Stop trying to make me work to your agenda. Why don't you come and join in with mine? You with me? My, my youngest is here, Beth Ann, 17. She's wonderful. She's gorgeous. She's a beautiful girl. I have to say all of that because I'm about to give her a hard time in this illustration. But she is. She's a marvelous girl. And she's learning to drive. And hopefully this year, get her test, pass, and on we go. But, uh, but, but she's done a number of lessons. And, and I made an in-principle decision. I wouldn't take my children out for driving lessons because my, my dad was one of the most gracious, loving, Christian, mercy-saturated men you could possibly know, and yet me and him had our, probably our worst major argument over a driving lesson. <laughs> and Beth Ann's amazing, but she's got far too much Celtic blood in her. That's, that's part of the problem. Uh, and I blame that on her mother, actually. But, but, but we've got this situation where, where actually she's had a few lessons, she knows a few things. And so she gets out of the instructor's car and gets into her mum's car. And her mum, who's a proper Christian, <laughs> and can cope with the tension and the pressure of taking your children on a driving lesson. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Uh, she does this. Now, when Beth Ann get into the car with her, uh, Dawn had to have a conversation because in our car, our little uh, car, little uh, Toyota Yaris, there, there's, no, there's no dual control. So when Beth Ann got in the car with Dawn, uh, this was the conversation. If you're going to drive with me, here's the first and major condition. You have to do what I say. Now, it's hard for Beth Ann because she's had 10 lessons at this point. She's 17 and knows how to drive. <laughs> the fact that her mother has been driving for 30 years and is also an advanced driver. 
Come on, it's better than that. Come on, people. She's, she's an advanced driver. Uh, well, when you're 17, you've got a 10 or a dozen lessons under your belt. You know, it's okay. I've got this. But, but actually, if you're going to drive in Dawn's car, you have to agree with Dawn. Are you with me? Now, if you want to drive somebody else's car, you do your, th do your own thing. But if you want to drive her car, if Bethan wants to go on a lesson with Dawn, you have to do what I say. Many of us want to have spiritual authority while doing our own thing. And I want to give you this principle. It's a powerful principle indeed. Some things are only permitted when we agree. Now, is God good? Does He bless you? Does he do things for you? Absolutely. But don't confuse the blessing of God with the affirmation of God. Don't, don't confuse the fact that God is good and he just blesses you because he's good with, with actually there are some things in our lives if we're going to get the true benefits of what the Lord wants for us, we have got to come into agreement with him. We have got to do what he wants on this issue. He will not compromise on this issue. He's not going to have a conversation with us. He's not going to sort of make it easier for me. This is what I want. If you're John, if you're going to drive my car, you've got to do what I say. Here's Jesus. God in flesh has to sign up to that rule. If you're going to save the world, you've got to do as I say. Are you with me? And that's at the heart of this incredible idea. Lots of beautiful Christians are trying to find a shortcut to authority. There is none. To get to authority, we must align. To get to authority, we must come into a position of agreement. And many of you have been wrestling with those, with those ideas over the last 21 days. You've let go of some things. And actually, over the last three weeks, you've heard some things. And as you've heard those things, like Esther brought us this morning, if you hear them, and agree with them, something is released. You know, a third service. We've heard from God. We believe God has spoken to us. Now, we, you know, we could all do without the hassle of a third service and the energy that it'll take and the money that it'll take and the extra pressure it's going to put on everybody to make a third service happen. But if God has spoken, it's not about the third service. It's about agreement. And so because we agree, we do what we see the Father doing suddenly something gets released that's greater than the thing we're doing. Because what's being released is that sense of authority that's coming out of agreement. Are you with me? And this leads us then to the final idea as we draw this to a close. Jesus not only aligned to the Father, He not only agrees with the Father, but finally, He has authority from the Father. Look again at this incredible statement that Jesus makes in the context of John 5. He says, For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Now, if you work with me, that sounds like a bit of a contradiction. Because Jesus has just told us he does only what he sees the Father doing. And yet here it says, the Father gives life, allows the Son to give life to those to whom 
He's pleased to do it. What, what's going on here? Well, I, I believe it's this. Because Jesus has aligned, he's let go of what he wants, and he's agreed, he's taken hold of what the Father wants, the Father can now trust him to give life properly, to give life to those he pleases to give it. It's not that Jesus has been given a blank check to just do what he wants. It's Jesus has been given the freedom and the authority to do this because he's aligned and he's agreed. And therefore, because he's aligned, let go of his own agenda and agreed with the Father's agenda, the Father says to him, do what you need to do because I trust you to do what you ought to do in the context of that authority. When Jesus is teaching, he's approached by a group of Jewish elders on behalf of a Roman centurion. Find this in Luke 7. And, and that's an unusual idea that Jews would represent a Roman centurion that day because he was part of the occupying force. Not only was he a Gentile, he was part of the, the, the force that was oppressing the people at that time. And yet they represent him to Jesus. And they say this to Jesus, he's a good man, he's built the synagogue, and he loves our nation. And so they come to Jesus and he says, this Roman centurion, this battle-hardened soldier with blood all over his body, this man has a servant who's dying and he's really concerned for him. Would you, Jesus, do something? And so Jesus responds and he starts to move towards the man's house. He starts to go to where the centurion lived. And the centurion sends him servants before Jesus gets there. And he says this to Jesus, incredible, incredible statement. He says, you don't need to come to my house. Just speak the word and my servant will be healed. Because he says this, look at these incredible words. He says, for I myself am a man under. Note he doesn't say I'm a man with. I'm a man under. I'm a man under. I'm a man under authority. And then he goes on to qualify it by saying this amazing statement. He says, for I myself am a man under authority. And then he says this, with soldiers under me. I tell this one go, and it goes, and that one come, and he comes, and I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. Now note this, note this. The centurion, a Gentile centurion, understood something. He had 88 men under his care. He's able to say to any one of those men, go, and he goes, not because of who he is, but because of who he is under. It's not the authority of the centurion that his men are responding to. It's the authority of Rome that they are responding to. Because if they disobey their centurion, the might of Rome will fall on them. And so when he looks at Jesus, he sees the same thing going on. He understands, as a Gentile, he understands, this man has authority. Now, if I think about my world, I have authority because I'm under authority. So Jesus must have authority because he's under a greater authority, his Father in heaven. And he says to Jesus, I see that you're under authority. Therefore, therefore, all you have to do, speak. Speak. 
And that's why Jesus says in that passage, I haven't found such great faith like this in all Israel. It wasn't the faith to see a servant healed. It was the faith to see that Jesus was under authority, that Jesus was operating at a completely different level, that Jesus wasn't doing his own thing. He was doing the thing of the Father. He was operating in the authority of the Father. And therefore, because of that, he could speak to a sick servant and say, healed. Healed. Come on. You don't take authority. Authority is given. If you have to take it, it's not yours. Authority is given. If you and I were driving down the M69 today, and a policeman stood out in the middle of those three lanes, five foot eight, 14 stone in the wet, and he stood in the middle of those three lanes, and he did this, he put his hand up. What would happen next? Well, well, what we hope would happen is everybody stops. That's what should happen. Everybody stops. Thousands of cars, 34-ton trucks, come to a grinding halt because a man who's five foot eight and 14 stone in the wet did that. Well, you see, we're not stopping for him. I'm not stopping for him. I'm stopping for the crown on his badge. I'm stopping for the government he represents. Because if I, if I run him over, that government... I mean, his family might hunt me down. You never know. But his, his government will hunt me down. Because he stands there in the middle of the M69 representing the government. He's under that government, and he says, stop. And so we have to stop. If a week later, that same man stood in the middle of the M69 in his underpants, <laughs> five foot eight, 14 stone in the wet, maybe a little bit lighter because he's in his underpants, and he stands there, and he puts the same hand up. Yeah, he'd probably get arrested. <laughs> he might get run over. People would swerve around him. People would be calling on their phones. There's a madman on the M69. But a week before, he stopped the traffic. Well, no, he didn't. He didn't stop the traffic. His uniform stopped the traffic. The authority that he was under stopped the traffic. That's what stopped the traffic. In his underpants, he's not going to stop anyone. Unless you're really, really, really desperate. He's not going to stop anyone. Listen, please don't hear what I'm not saying, but I'm going to say it. The devil is not afraid of you. He is one of the most powerful spiritual beings in the creative order. He's not afraid of John Andrews, but he is terrified of John Andrews learning to align learning to agree, and learning to hide himself under the uniform of Jesus Christ. That's what he's terrified of, because if we do that, he cannot resist us. 
The seven sons of Sceva tried to cast some demons out. And the demon said, who are you? We know what you're trying to do, but what's going on here? We know Paul, we know Peter. Haven't got a clue who you are. Because even the demonic forces recognize spiritual authority. But it's not me they're afraid of. It's me under him. Under him. Under him. Under him. And if CLM will stay under him, you can speak and things change. If we will remain under him, we can speak and situations change. When we remain under him, ladies and gentlemen, it's not about, it's not about uh, the, the force even with which we speak. It's just we've got authority. When you've got authority, you've got authority. Jesus just speaks. And, and it, it, Luke 7 says, they went back and the servant was well. My goodness, simple ideas. Alignment plus agreement leads to authority. I'd love to say there's a shortcut. I'd love to say here's an easy access point to authority. But when it comes to the sort of authority that changes a city, the authority that changes people, the authority that changes demonic strongholds, the authority that changes spiritual issues in our world, that there's no shortcut. We can stand in our underpants and scream. And the devil will laugh at us. He will ride round us. He will mock us. But when we stand in the M69 of our journey, under the badge of Christ, under the authority of Christ, we can speak. Mountains will move. Lives will change. Intractable problems will be reversed. Cities will start to yield. Not because of just me or just you, but because we are under.